What's going on, world? Thank you for watching another episode and listening to my channel, uh, Insightful Principles. Uh, what I want to talk about in today's content is breaking down a research paper, The Wealth of Two Nations, The U.S. Racial Wealth Gap from 1860 to 2020. Um, it definitely broke down a lot of great history as far as how we have seen a widening of the gap uh, with the racial uh, wealth divide and I want to really break down some of the concepts throughout the research paper but also really going into what are some solutions that they developed throughout the paper and what we can do as uh, blacks to really close the wealth gap and being able to just be able to better our our wealth being able to improve our financial circumstances you know having that financial freedom so if you all can do me a huge favor, if you could like, subscribe, and share this video, and if you're listening on a podcast, uh, continue to rate, uh, leave a review, and share uh, with your family and friends. And I do want to say my dis disclaimer because you know I may go over uh, some different ways throughout this video of how we can actually be able to increase our wealth and being able to... Uh, just have more equity when it comes to our finances and i want to say that uh, none of my recommendations on any of my videos are offered to sell or buy a security um, these views are based solely on my own and it's my own opinion and you have to make sure that you're doing your research and that you're taking the time to understand if an investment is suitable for you based on your risk tolerance and also your time horizon so when it comes to the uh, racial wealth divide, you know, uh, when I was reading the paper, uh, I really talked about how the biggest convergence of the wealth gap really began 50 years after the Emancipation uh, Proclamation, which was the uh, letter that was signed by President Abraham Lincoln uh, to pretty much just state that he wanted to make sure the slaves you know, weren't no longer in bondage. Now, this was back in 1863. Now, during the second half of the 20th century is when we started to see slower declines of the wealth gap. It became a lot more prevalent. And we started back in 1863 where the racial wealth gap, the uh, per capita wealth ratio is what they call it. It started at 60 to 1 in 1860. And then it fell to 10 to 1 by 1920. Then it fell a little bit lower than that, to 7 to 1 by the 1950s. But 70 years later, uh, since 2020, the wealth per capita ratio still remains at a similar number, 6 to 1. So in the last 70 years, there hasn't been much changes. We've seen a decline and seeing us uh, starting to close the wealth gap. It's still becoming a lot more widened. Now, for those that didn't watch my last video, you know, I do want to explain what these wealth ratios mean. So it simply means that six to one is the average amount of wealth that um, a white person has compared to a black person. So uh, they have essentially six times the wealth compared to a black, the average black person living in America. And, you know, one of the reasons why the per capita wealth ratio was much higher during 1860 was because blacks were enslaved and it does it excluded us legally to build any type of wealth. It really wasn't until 1865 when we pretty much had that freedom 
where everyone could kind of start to build wealth for their families. Now, the improvement of black wealth was actually shown in the late 19th century, which was from uh, 19 uh, from the 1800s to the 1900s, and then also the early 20th century, which was from 1900 to 2000. But it still remained at a slower pace, even though we've seen some improvements after the emancipation era, it still stayed pretty stagnant. Um, in the 50 years after 1870, the gap actually fell to 50%. Uh, it went from 10 to 1 in 1920. And most of this was because blacks began to have more rights throughout the economy. Um, we start to have more uh, flexibility of being able to start our own businesses and things like that. Now, during the 1940s, uh, through the 1970s is when you started to see tremendous changes in the aspect of racial progress and discrimination, as well as the Great Migration, where many blacks started to move from the south and move to the north. Now, even though you would think that this would improve the progression of the wealth gap during this time, it actually remained stable. Um, and like I mentioned, in the last 70 years, uh, the racial wealth gap has moved in between a level of five to seven to one. So either five to one or seven to one, currently now is six to one. It's pretty much within the last 70 years has stayed in that range. And they actually talked about in the paper that the gap has widened much more recently in the last 50 years instead of closing. So what drove the racial wealth differences after the emancipation era? Well, throughout the paper, they highlight that a lot of the drivers of the slower conversions really came down to the racial gaps with savings and capital gains. Now, when you think about savings, we're talking about money that you're building in a savings account. Um, you may have some different life insurance policies that utilize uh, for savings and also building wealth. And also capital gains, which you can earn capital gains in a lot of different areas. You can have capital gains with passive income, uh, whether you have a real estate property and you're getting cash flow uh, from your tenants that are paying you on a monthly basis. You can have capital gains with portfolio income, with your money in the stock market. Uh, so there was a big gap in between those two areas with the savings and the capital gains. Now, the lower savings and the capital gains for blacks is actually reflected in why we have a much lower per capita wealth ratio now because when there's lower savings and lower capital gains, that reflects you know lower average income and wealth levels compared to whites. Now, blacks also went through many challenges of historical exclusion from land to housing to even capital markets. So we had a lot of different barriers of what we went through uh, after the 1865, you know, in the early 1900s. Uh, we went through a lot of challenges and to see that we still were able to bring down the wealth gap was quite, a, quite amazing. But, you know, over the last 70 years, you it seems as if we have a lot more freedom when it comes to be able to build wealth, but still, there's still a lot of challenges. And I think a lot of that comes to what I've said on this channel before around financial literacy and understanding the importance of making sure that you are financially secure and that you're passing down generational wealth to your family to keep it going. 
because it doesn't make any difference if you're building wealth for yourself. What are you doing for your family? What are you doing for your children's children? And for me, you know, I want to be a resource not only for you all with my content, with my information, but I want to be able to help pass this information along down to my family and become the first millionaire in my family so I can set the example for people that will come after me. Now, I do want to show you all this figure, uh, this chart that they had in the research paper that breaks down the dynamics of the racial wealth convergence from 1870 to 2020. And it's quite uh, eye-opening when you think about the shift of how wealth really started to decline, where we really started to catch up with you know, whites when it came to building, you know, wealth after 1865, but it slowly has remained stagnant when you look over the last, you know, look in the mid 20th century is when it really started to uh, slow down. So I'm going to go ahead and share this all with you now. And, you know, within this figure here, uh, you can see that in 1870, this was right after that time where we started to see freedom, um, you know, when slavery became abolished, there was a rapid decline and the wealth ratio uh, was starting to close in from 1870 to 1890. But then as you start to look more into just uh, 1920 all the way to 1950, it declined a little bit, but it, for the most part, it wasn't as rapid of a decline when you look at those first 20 years, first 30 years from the 19th century going into the 20th century. And then if you look really from 1960 to even till now, the 2020 is remained quite at the same levels. And it's quite shocking when you really look at that chart to see that we had such a big decline with closing that racial wealth gap. And within the last 70 years, it's remained pretty stagnant. And then just the chart below that is really just talking about the annual growth rate and really showing how in 1870 to 1900, we were pretty close. Everything was pretty much aligned when it came to building wealth and having sound savings and passing down generational wealth. But then as we started to get into 1930, things kind of became a lot slower with the annual growth and then the following 1960 to 1980 uh, wasn't a much difference. And even now, uh, pretty much everything is stagnant and there's not has not shown much change at all. So that was quite eye opening when I looked at those two charts within the uh, research paper. And another aspect that I want to also talk about is, you know, some of the reasons that come to mind when I think about the slowdown of the wealth convergence is the systematic disadvantages post the emancipation era and also with the Jim Crow area. You got to think when Jim Crow laws were around, uh, there was a lot of racial segregation. So blacks couldn't go in certain places. 
we were completely separated in certain cities. And if you're a podcast enthusiast like I am, you probably thought about making a podcast on your own. Creating a podcast is one of the best decisions I've made personally, but it definitely can feel overwhelming when trying to start one on your own. That's where Buzzsprout comes in. Their platform is hands down the easiest and the best way to launch, promote, and track a professional podcast. It's in fact so good that they have helped over 100,000 people launch their own podcast. Buzzsprout will get your show on every major podcast directory such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of your recording. You also get a great looking podcast website, detailed analytics to see how people are listening to your podcast, and tools to promote your episodes as well. Plus, Buzzsprout publishes new blog posts, podcast episodes, and YouTube videos every week. So you can learn the ins and outs of podcasting from people that live it every day. To start your own podcast and to get a $20 Amazon gift card, follow the link in the show notes that lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you and help support our show. Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast. really just shows that that really uh, allowed didn't allow us to be able to build as much wealth. And I think that even though you had the abolish, um, you had the uh, abolition of slavery, uh, which signaled an end to economic exploitation of blacks. Uh, there still was those economic barriers when it came to building wealth. In fact, um, even after the Civil War, uh, blacks saw barriers from equal access to financial institutions. Uh, there were many people that were frustrated with their attempts to be able to buy land and being racially excluded. And then also you got to think about the violent destruction of black businesses and neighborhoods. In fact, when you think about Black Wall Street that happened uh, in 1921 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you had a neighborhood that was called Greenwood where pretty much there was a white mob that pretty much came in the neighborhood and destroyed hospitals. They destroyed black businesses. They, you know, killed a lot of people. It was very sad. Um, and it was very unfortunate. And, and the loss of black property and wealth uh, totaled to somewhere around $10 million. So that was a lot of wealth that has been extorted. When you think about looking at the racial wealth gap and all of the trials and tribulations that blacks have went through. Um, even if you look back in the 1930s, you also had redlining in Miami, Florida, particularly where they had certain black neighborhoods. They didn't even have access to... Uh, buying a home loan that was backed by the Federal Housing Administration, whereas you had other white neighborhoods that had those opportunities and were able to buy mortgages that were backed by the FHA. And it was really a time where a lot of stuff was segregated uh, by race, and uh, that was some big challenges that we went through. And, um, you know, the average, you know, white household holds a significant share of their wealth and equity. And they have therefore been able to benefit from booming stock prices while the average black household for where housing continues to be the most important asset, they have been largely left out of these games because I'll break down this chart as well uh, shortly. Uh, when it comes to the racial wealth gap uh, with a lot of people within our communities uh, with uh, blacks, uh, we may have 
a lot of uh, a lot of renters, but also the people that actually do own homes, they don't have a lot of equity. So there's more debt that's owned on the property than equity. Whereas with white households, they tend to have more equity with their homes. And I say all that to say is this is all education. And I'm highlighting these different uh, areas of the challenges that we went through. But it's not to say that that can't be changed. And that's what I want to be able to provide with this channel is information that you can be able to understand what the problem is and what can I do within my family, within my household that can help us be able to break the generational curses that we have seen so long, even when we look at the history of what blacks went through. So I hope when I'm saying this, you know, don't be discouraged. It's really to highlight the challenges that we have with the wealth gap and the improvements that we need to make to be able to change our families' lives and, and being able to apply uh, financial information that can really help us to be able to improve our outlook when it comes to our finances. Another aspect that could really help us close that racial wealth gap is there needs to be more information about financial diversification and more just equity in the stock market within black households, uh, being knowledgeable about cryptocurrency and understanding how Bitcoin provides an asymmetric bet when it comes to your asset allocation and to add some diversification to your portfolio and, and really have some leverage when it comes to taking advantage of how this technology is really going to change a lot of the financial servicing world. So I think that looking at things like the stock market, cryptocurrency, and even real estate, you know, I think that that's an important cornerstone when it comes to building wealth. And I think that that has to be more prevalent within the black community and just having more conversations around financial literacy and focusing on your long-term savings, your retirement, making sure you have money put away that you can be able to build over the long term and also pass down so you can't be able to lower your time preference. So understanding why you have to have your money in these different asset classes is vitally important. And I think ultimately there does need to be policies in place where we're improving our educational system, where we can have more personal finance education with at the high school level. You know, this year it's been great to see that um, in Michigan, Florida, and Georgia, their high schools are actually making it mandatory for financial education that has to be a part of the curriculum before high school graduation. So I think that that is amazing. And I think that overall, improving the school quality and also uh, any type of uh, racial and social biases that happen throughout our communities and our economy, uh, being able to get rid of those things and focus more on the positive aspects I think that that can really help when it comes to closing the wealth gap. Now, just the last two charts that I do want to show you all is it really breaks down the future of the racial wealth gap and then also the portfolio composition of when you compare um, white households to black households. So if you look at this chart right here, um, it breaks down the different portfolio composition from 1950 to 2020. And as you can see here, with other nine financial assets, you know, blacks only have, you know, uh, eight, uh, 8613 uh, And then when you look at whites, it's $19,099. And 
And when you look at housing, uh, definitely a significant difference, which we talk about real estate, um, that is, is a big change when you think about, you know, 62611 for the average value, but also with the white households is $194,025. And when you look at equity, uh, it's another big change. You know, blacks, $4,013 of the average value uh, with white households, $72,581. So the, the biggest areas that I'm seeing a lot of differences is, you know, housing uh, when it comes to having a business, other nine financial assets, equity, liquid assets. We have to become better and we have to focus on these areas so we can be able to close the racial wealth gap. And so before we get back to the show, I want to tell you all about an awesome product that I'm using, uh, Ledger. They are the largest crypto hardware wallet in the world. Um, they're trusted by over 2 million users worldwide. And the reason why you want to look into a hardware wallet is because you want to own your private keys. If you do not control your own private keys, you do not own your Bitcoin. A public key is when it's on a major exchange. A private key is when it's stored offline and it's on a hardware wallet. Another reason why you want to look into a hard wallet is exchanges have had a history of being hacked. Um, not all, but some. And hardware wallets, they protect against you losing your funds. And the whole system of why Bitcoin was created was for decentralization, for security, where you can be your own bank and where you can be able to move money at ease between other people um, or whether you're moving money off of exchange to your crypto hardware wallet, it gives you the ultimate control as an investor and you want to utilize those, those benefits of being a part of this system of decentralization. So if you go into the show notes and go to my affiliate link, um, you'll be able to look at all of the different products that Ledger offers. Um, like I said, I have thoroughly enjoyed um, my process of utilizing uh, the hardware wallet and it's the best way to be able to safely secure your crypto. And just the last thing here that really stood out to me is the future evolution of the racial wealth gap from 2019 to uh, 2000, uh, 2200. Uh, it really talks about how the wealth ratio, which this is the per capita uh, black to white uh, wealth ratio, if things continue to go like it has been going in uh, 2200, 20, uh, the wealth gap is actually going to be eight to one. So that means that average white households will have eight times the wealth of the average black household. And I think that that's very uh, unfortunate and, and we have the power to change it and we will change it and you know they show here in 2050 um, is expected to be five to 5.60 to one so slightly you know a little bit lower than where it's at now but you know there's a lot of work that needs to be done and you know I, I think that if we can really focus on the two elements that they talked about within the research paper savings capital gains focusing on wealth accumulation passing down generational wealth, thinking about life insurance policies and how that's a great transfer of wealth, looking at commodities where you can be able to preserve your wealth, having some exposure to growth assets. When I think about Bitcoin, I think about the stock market, I think about diversification with real estate, having hard assets, 
and also having a business. I think that that's a very important aspect. A lot of reasons why within our communities we tend to lack and see that other households with other ethnicities tend to build more wealth is because we don't focus on controlling our destiny. We don't focus on how we can be able to build something from the ground up and pass it down to our children. And, and that's what I'm here to try to explain and just try to educate you to really think differently and, and how to be able to change your financial mindset so you can be able to change the trajectory of not just your life, but your family's life. So that pretty much wraps it up for this video. And I, I thank you all for watching this video and definitely take a chance and read that research paper. Um, it was really good and I learned a lot and it really just highlights uh a lot of the changes we've seen with the wealth gap from all the way to 1860 to now. Um, but as always, if you all can continue to like, subscribe, and share this video, um, continue to share it with your family and friends. Um, it definitely is helpful when you can continue uh, to share this message with your circle. And uh, don't forget to hit that notifi notification bell so you can be notified every week when I drop content. And I thank you all so much for watching and listening, and take care.